All right, we can turn this morning to Ezekiel chapter 12. Ezekiel chapter 12. Working. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. So Ezekiel 12. We're going to read 12, 13, and into 14. So I need you to follow with me. Also have some handouts when the time is ready. Well, because I have I have these notes from commentators, and I was going to read them off of my iPad, and then Mom said, "Oh, you're going to put them up on the screen." So I thought, well, no. That'd be a whole lot of flipping around. Then I thought, well, I can copy and paste them and send them to my email, take them out of my email, put them in the pages document. So that's what I did. So, so I've entitled this message. Oh, I was going to say, so Luke had a great opportunity. We, somebody contacted us through our webpage uh, down in Methuen, a husband and a wife, and Luke happened to be down there and interested in salvation, the husband was, and uh, and somewhat, I guess, in the Messianic movement, is they found us on 119 Ministries, so that was pretty exciting. Luke went down, spent about an hour with them, and uh, witnessed to him, gave him the gospel, told him, told him about Yeshua. Oh, Torn was there too, so that's pretty cool. And then also uh, some changes to the website, which are exciting to me, is Luke got things uh, sort of under categ categorized under headings. So there's a section for blogs, and then you can go into blogs and. I don't know if it's history or whatever it is, archives, and it has, they're all listed by alphabetical order according to title. But what was interesting to me was, I, you know, if you had asked me how many blogs I've written, I probably was, I don't know, 30, 35, but it's like, I'm, I'm up to, I think, 72, 71, 72 right now. So that was pretty exciting. And so hopefully, you know, as our website is getting more attention, as, as people are you know, finding out about us. Also want Luke to put his, Luke and I talked about his Roman nine, Romans 9 message, a link to it right on the first page because that was such a great message dealing with so many important issues. I, it'd be a great thing for somebody coming into the Torah mindset or thinking about it to, to have somebody explain Romans chapter 9. And as I said, actually, I was listening to one of my messages and, and Luke had preached the week before and I said, you know, it's just, in essence, more or less, you know, Luke came to Romans chapter 9 with no theological baggage. He hadn't been off to Bible school, hadn't been taught it a certain way. And I said, you know, for me, it just seems like Romans 9 is just filled with landmines that can go off any time because you're treading through this material that is theologically somewhat challenging. But Luke just walked right on through it because he didn't have, I think, a lot of the baggage and just kind of more or less said, it, said what it said. So... Anyway, kind of exciting about, you know, you know, people contacting us, uh, you know, having some input into people's lives and, and then just with the website getting up and running a little bit uh, more professionally looking. Subscribe. Oh, you can now? Yeah, I, it should be yeah. soon, but okay, yeah. still got our email address in there. Oh, okay. Mine's in there probably about, I don't know how many times. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, so that's exciting and... You know, you wonder if anybody's noticing, but, you know, if, if we existed for one person to get saved, yeah. I mean, that's eternally huge. And I don't know if that fellow 
came to salvation that day or not. You know, we'll have to see the fruit. You know, the seed falls upon the, the stony ground among the thorns, and then some bear fruit. So we'll just have to wait and see. There's fourfold fruit. I can't think of all of them. Satan comes along and snatches the seed away. So, but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. So uh, we're going to read Ezekiel 12, 1 through 14, 11, titled this The Hedge, The Hedge, H-E-D-G-E, or When the Wall is Fallen. Uh, and they're both phrases that are in the text that we're going to read. I don't want to say a whole lot yet. We'll just read through it and uh, then progress as I have it laid out here in my outline. So let's just go ahead and, and read. We'll start Hebrew, uh, Hebrews. If, you know, that's the other thing. Listen, in the messages, I had gotten out of Isaiah into Jeremiah, and every time I said Jeremiah, not every time, I said Isaiah. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, you hear yourself, it's like, how did my mind say that word? I wasn't even thinking that word, but this other word just comes plopping out. That he's like, so anyway, it's been interesting to just listen to some of these. All right, so chapter 12, Ezekiel 12. The word of Yehovah also came unto me, saying, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. Therefore, thou son of man, prepare thee stuff for removing, and remove by day in their sight, and thou shalt remove from thy place to another place in their sight. It may be they will consider, though they be a rebellious house. Then shalt thou bring forth thy stuff by day in their sight, as stuff for removing, and thou shalt go forth at even in their sight, as they that go forth into captivity." Dig thou through the wall in their sight, and carry out thereby. In their sight shalt thou bear it upon thy shoulders, and carry it forth in the twilight. Thou shalt cover thy face, that thou see not the ground. For I have set thee for a sign unto the house of Israel. And I did so as I was commanded. I brought forth my stuff by day, as stuff for captivity. And in the even I dig through the wall with mine hand, I brought it forth in the twilight, and I bared upon my shoulder in their sight. And in the morning came the word of Jehovah unto me, saying, Son of man, hath not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said unto thee, What doest thou? Say thou unto them, Thus saith uh, Adonai Jehovah, is how that is, This burden concerneth the prince in Jerusalem, and all the house of Israel that are among them. Say, I am your sign. Like as I have done, so shall it be done unto them. They shall remove and go into captivity. And the prince that is among them shall bear upon his shoulder in the twilight and shall go forth. They shall dig through the wall to carry out thereby. He shall cover his face that he see not the ground with his eyes. My net also will I spread upon him and he shall be taken in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans. Yet shall he not see it, though he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind all that are about him to help him in all his bands. And I will draw out the sword after them. And they shall know that I am Jehovah when I shall scatter them among the nations and disperse them in the countries. But I will leave a few men of them from the sword, from the famine, and from the pestilence that they may declare all their abominations among the heathen whither they come, and they shall know that I am Jehovah. 
Moreover, the word of Yehovah came to me, saying, Son of man, eat thy bread with quaking, and drink thy water with trembling and with carefulness. And say unto the people of the land, Thus saith Adonai Yehovah of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the land of Israel, They shall eat their bread with carefulness and drink their water with astonishment, that her land may be desolate from all that is therein because of the violence of all them that dwell therein. And the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste, and the land shall be desolate, and ye shall know that I am Yehovah. And the word of Yehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth? Tell them, therefore, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say unto them, The days are at hand, and the effect of every vision. For there shall be no more any vain vision nor flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am Yehovah. I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged, for in your days, O rebellious house, uh, will I say the word and will perform it, saith Adonai Yehovah. Again, the word of Yehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, The vision that he seeth is for many days to come, and he prophesieth of the times that are far off. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith Adonai Yehovah, There shall none of my words be prolonged any more, but the words which I have spoken shall be done, saith Adonai Yehovah. Chapter 13. And the word of Yehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear ye the word of Yehovah. Thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither have made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of Yehovah. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, Yehovah saith, and Yehovah hath not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying divination, whereas ye say, Yehovah saith it? Albeit I have not spoken. Therefore, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Because ye have spoken vanity and have seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith Adonai Yehovah. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies, they shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am Adonai Yehovah. Because, even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them, which daub it with untempered mortar, that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, when the wall is fallen, 
shall it not be said unto you, Where is a daubing wherewith ye daubed it, have daubed it? Therefore, thus saith Adonai, Yehovah, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in mine anger and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall that ye have daubed with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered and it shall fall and ye shall be consumed in the midst thereof and ye shall know that I am Yehovah. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall and upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar and will say unto you, The wall is no more, neither they that daubed it. To wit, the prophets of Israel, which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her. And there is no peace, saith Adonai Yehovah. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them, and say, Thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Woe to the women that sow pillows to all armholes, and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will ye hunt the souls of my people? And will ye save the souls alive that come unto you? And will ye pollute me among my peoples for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies? Wherefore, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Behold, I am against your pillows wherewith ye there hunt the souls to make them fly, and I will tear them from your arms, and will let the souls go, even the souls that ye hunt to make them fly. Your kerchiefs also will I tear, and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted, and ye shall know that I am Yehovah. Because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. Therefore ye shall see no more vanity nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and ye shall know that I am Yehovah. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me. And the word of Yehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth a stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet, I, Yehovah, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith Adonai, Yehovah, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, or the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, Yehovah, will answer him by myself, and I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and ye shall know that I am Yehovah. 
And if the prophet be deceived when he hath spoken a thing, I, Yehovah, have deceived that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. And they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be even as the punishment of him that speaketh that seeketh unto him, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, saith Adonai Yehovah. I hope I read that all right. Did that go, go okay? Interesting, uh, just as a side note, and I didn't realize this as I was reading somebody else, um, in this book, God never calls Ezekiel by his name. I thought that was interesting. It's always son of man. God never calls him Ezekiel, which I don't know if that means anything or not. Um, also, the word fury is used a lot in the book of Ezekiel. I, I wondered if that's why they called the, the, the uh, uh, tank fury, you know. But I, I didn't realize it until this time going through. God, God is furious. I mean, he just uses the word fury over and over and over. So this is a message that has reached its precipice. And God is just fed up. And it's just like, you know, Dad, the kid's just been aggravating you, aggravating you, and you've been trying to hold it in because you just don't want to yell. Then all of a sudden, that one last thing is like, the fury just spills out all over the place. That's, in my mind, more or less how God is at this point. He has sent prophets, true prophets. They've not listened. They set up in their own false prophets that are telling them that what they want to hear, and they're going further and further away from God. Idols are set up everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's just horrific what's going on. So, now, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into necessarily all of that aspect of it. I don't want to tell you where I'm going yet. So, and I don't, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't expect you to answer this. You can if you want. Get, throw out some answers, but I'm, you know, I wouldn't know what to say if I was you. But, all right, here's my question. Wherein lies the protective defense of God's people? Anybody want to random? Take, take a shot. And I don't expect you to come up with this, but I, I give you this question because I want you to see where I'm going. Wherein lies the protective defense of God's people? Uh, I never would have thought of the answer, and I never would have thought of this passage of Scripture the way I'm going to preach it until I read some notes, which I thought was very insightful. So the hedge, or when the wall is fallen, made me think of Torn. Shack rackets, homely, you know, when the wall falls. The Captain Picard episode, I wonder if that's where they get things like that. So, you know, chapter 13, verse 12, it talks about when the wall is fallen. Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be set. And then in chapter 13, verse 5, we have a reference Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedges for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of Jehovah. So nobody has a thought, and that's okay, because I'm going to get to it, and I'll we'll tell you what it is. So here's how I've broken down what I want to say today. What's the problem? What's the cause? How does this get corrected? All right, so those are the points. What's the problem? Uh, what's the cause? And how does this get corrected? So what's the problem? The people are confused because they're getting 
mixed messages. That's the problem. The people are confused because they're getting mixed messages. Ezekiel is saying judgment is coming. And that's chapter 12, verses 3 through 7. We won't read it again. But Ezekiel's out there crying, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, the British are coming, the British are coming. You know, he's out there just blazing the trail saying, God is getting ready to pour out judgment. But on the other hand, the prophets are saying, that's not true. <laughs> so, just like any situation, you have the majority of these prophets saying, it's, it's off in the distance. This isn't going to happen anytime soon. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, uh, Ezekiel. If I keep saying the wrong name, please forgive me. Don't pay any attention to him. He says it's going to be happening pretty soon. Don't, you know, he's in the minority. Look at the rest of us are saying, relax. It's off in the distance. And so the people are confused. Because I have to believe that the people that are hearing Ezekiel know deep down inside somewhere he's a real man of God. And these other prophets that are coming up with this false divination and all these other things that they want to hear, they have to know deep down inside they're not the true guys. But they're confused at this point. And the problem is the people are confused because they're getting mixed messages. One group of people preach the word of God this way. Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, forgive me, keeps preaching it this way. Who am I supposed to listen to? And this is just how it is today, and it's really how it is in every generation. You have the majority preaching this way. There's these other crazies, which we fall into, that are saying, no, no, this is how it's going to be. This is what the Word of God says. And the people, just like with Ezekiel, very few want to hear that. They follow after these other guys. Now, um, so the prophets are saying it's not so. So the prophets are giving a false sense of security. They're prophesying out of their own heart and out of their own spirit. So, Ezekiel, judgment's coming, prophets, no. Well, what's, what are they doing? They're giving a false sense of security. Now, for me, that, that kind of starts to come out in Ezekiel chapter 12, verses 21 through 23 where it says, And the word of Yehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth. In other words, Jeremiah, you've been saying it's going to be happening, but there's this other thing that's being kind of like this rumor that's being spread abroad that's saying, No, 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 it's, it's a long time off. So, Son of man, what's this proverb that ye have in the land of Israel? The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth. Tell them, therefore, thus saith Yehovah, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say unto them, the days are at hand, and the effect of every vision. So basically, Ezekiel's more or less a joke to these people. Um, so now I'm going to, I have these notes that I uh, want you to, you might have to share because I don't have enough, maybe. Um, because it's important, I think, okay, for me to be able to get across somehow what it is I'm trying to say. Okay. And I need you to follow. All right. And I hope that this is all going to come together because this is very unusual for me to preach a message like this. So 
The prophets are saying it's not so. They're given a false sense of security. Basically, I think this proverb is a, is a mocking proverb. It actually goes back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, was more or less involved in, in saying some of the same things. So uh, they're given a false sense of security. All right, the first note here, uh, JFB, that's Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. They haven't had, a, I thought, a good note on, on chapter 12, verse 22. So... I'll just read it as it is. Proverb. The infidel scoff that the threatened judgment was so long in coming, it would not come at all, had by frequent repetition come to be a proverb with them. This skeptical habit uh, contemporary prophets testify to, like what I say in Jeremiah. Ezekiel at Kebar, Kibar, thus sympathizes with Jeremiah and strengthens his testimony at Jerusalem. The tendency to the same scoff showed itself in earlier times, but it had not then developed into a settled proverb. In other words, it started a long time ago. It's, it's going to happen a long time ago. It happened a long time ago. It even went back to Jeremiah's day, but now it's coming to fruition. It shall again be the characteristic of the last time when faith shall be regarded as an antiquated thing, seeing that it remains stationary, whereas worldly arts and sciences progress, and when the continuance of all things from creation will be the argument against the possibility of their being suddenly brought to a standstill by the coming of the Lord, the very long-suffering of God which ought to lead men to repentance is made an argument against His word. And then days prolonged vision faileth. Their twofold argument. The prediction shall not come to pass till long after our time. They shall fail and prove vain shadows. And God answers both of them. But I thought it was interesting because basically what they're saying is, no, this is not going to happen anytime soon. It's staring them in the face. It's right before them. Ezekiel and Jeremiah have been telling them, listen, don't mock this. Don't say it's a long time off. Don't poke fun at us. Don't ridicule us. We're trying to give you the message of God. It's coming soon. But it's characteristic of the last times. I thought that was so interesting. Because if we are in the last times, people are going to scoff at the judgment of God is coming. Right, Noah, sure it's coming. You're building that crazy boat. What are you doing? You're an idiot. It's coming. I'm trying to tell you it's coming. Come get in. We're not getting in with you. You're an idiot. Jeremiah, we're not following you. Ezekiel, we're not going to listen to you. It's, it's off. As a matter of fact, nothing's changed. And that's what that note says. Um, uh, whereas worldly science and arts progress, and when the continuance of all things from creation will be the argument against the possibility of their being suddenly brought to a standstill by the coming of the Lord. I found this so encouraging. I mean, we're, I want to think we're, we're humbly, I'm saying, is following in the footsteps of people like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, who, who can see with a spiritual set of eyes because of looking into the Word of God. Folks, it's crumbling all around. It's crumbling all around. No, it's not. Look, we're going to have Easter at the arena. There's going to be thousands of people there. What are you talking about? Everything's fine. The fifth largest megachurch is in 
Anderson, South Carolina. How many people? 30,000 people is what it was. Some, the, the hospital where Coy was born in, in this southern sleepy town back then, has the fifth largest megachurch. Warren, you guys over there crazy. No, look at what God's doing. He's blessing. Look at all the people coming to these services. You're the idiot. Right? Well, that's what these guys are going through. I, I have to paint it in, in a contemporary picture. So they're, they're giving these people a sense of false security. Come, Easter Sunday, get your kumbaya with us. And I'm telling you, I long for that. I would love to be in a humongous community where you're not all by yourself. You know? So the prophets are saying, no, don't listen to that guy. Here, you're going to have peace. It's, it's for often a long distance. And I thought it was interesting. It says that they're prophesying out of their own heart and spirit. Chapter 12, verse 24. For there shall be no more any vain vision, nor flattering divination. Chapter 13, verse 2. That prophesy out of their own heart. Hearts, verse 3, that follow their own spirit. And then verse 17, uh, which prophesy out of their own heart. Oh, this is such good stuff. Now, I want to continue on this theme. I, I have to read a note. It was in my life application Bible, and I tried to print it off, but it's a big Bible, and it gets all mushy in the corners. But let me read what they had to say. Now, the, you know, the, the, now we're, these are Christian authors. Uh, okay, Jameson, Foster, Brown, three guys. They're Christian guys. They're not weirdo messianics trying to say we're the only ones right and you're all wrong. They see some stuff. All right, the Life Application Bible, which is a contemporary Bible with notes. It says about chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. This warning was directed against false prophets whose messages were not from God, but were lies intended to win popularity by saying whatever made the people happy. False prophets didn't care about the truth as Ezekiel did. They lulled people into a false sense of security, making Ezekiel's job even more difficult. Beware of leaders who bend the truth in their a uh, quest for popularity and power. Isn't that, isn't that good? Now, if I were to say that, you know, I feel like people would say, well, that's just your own opinion. No, these are Christian guys recognizing this. They say, the false prophets had a large following because they comforted the people and approved of their sinful actions. Lies are often attractive, and liars may have large followings. Today, for example, some leaders assure us that God promises his followers health and material success. This is comforting, but is it true? God's own son did not have an easy life on earth. Make sure the messages you believe are consistent with what God teaches in His Word. Isn't that good? What? This is what we're saying. Ranger Indy, you'll find it in the Bible. You have to measure what you hear from the man behind the pulpit from the Word of God. 
Not if it makes you feel good, if it's what you want to hear, if he's promising you health, wealth, happiness, material success, and prosperity. And I loved it because they said Jesus didn't have an easy life on earth. Measure it by him. He's the standard. We are not evolving beyond Yeshua. If any man live godly in Christ Jesus, he shall suffer persecution. You want to follow me? Take up your cross daily and follow me. He didn't promise him stuff. He said the foxes have holes, the birds in the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to put his head. But we're, we've evolved beyond that, Jesus. I mean, we have multi-million dollar megaplexes with the pastors making hundreds of thousands of dollars and driving fancy cars, and this is Jesus' blessing. <laughs> Call me crazy if you want. I'm too far at the end of life. This is, this is just bad what's going on. Now, I have another note here by, oh, you have it, Peter Pett, uh, the second note. I think he's a contemporary guy. He's hard to find information on. There's a Peter Pett from way back, I don't know, it's 1800, 1700 or somebody, but this guy, and it's hard to find information on him that's consistent. But this guy, whoever he is, he has incredible stuff to say. All right, so this is what he says on chapter 13, uh, verses uh, 1 through 3. Note, Ezekiel's continuing emphasis on the word of Yahweh, he, he uses Yahweh, coming to him. Note Ezekiel's continual emphasis on the word of Yehovah coming to him. And I thought this was good. We can tend to forget that he, Ezekiel, was under the constraint of silence all this time. It could only speak when he had a word from Yehovah. But when Yehovah came to him, he had to speak. This was the difference between him and the false prophets he was speaking about. He was constrained to speak because of Yehovah's spirit working within him. In the words of Amos 8.3, uh, Adonai Yehovah has spoken. Who can but prophesy? This time the words were spoken against the popular prophets. They were popular because they said what men wanted to hear. They claimed to be prophets of Yehovah, but their words were not from God. They came from within them. They were their own ideas. They did not have the Spirit of God inspiring their words, but followed their own spirit. They did not see, for they were not true seers. They had no true spiritual insight coming from above. All they had came from within themselves. They promulgated their own ideas. They were blind leaders of the blind, and Ezekiel was to prophesy against them, that is, to denounce them in their words the prophets of Israel. This included all the prophets, both in Jerusalem and in the scattered communities and exiles. They really had no message to give because they did not hear the voice of God. There are many today who are foolish prophets. They seem wise and are popular, saying what people want to hear, but they do not hear the word of God or teach in accordance with it. Rather, they pick among the ruins of what is left of man's wisdom. Wow! Wow, that is so good. Does he live now? I think so. 
But, you know, I've, I've searched and searched and searched, and others are confused as well because there's a Peter Pett from a long, long time ago, but there's this other guy who seems to be alive, but find anything about this guy, I, I can't. It's, it's, it's interesting, which I kind of like. No notoriety for this guy who's done this incredible work. All right, so uh, let's see. Where am I here? So anyway, that's our first point. What's the problem? The people are confused because they're getting mixed messages. Is Ezekiel saying judgment's coming? The prophets are saying, nope, that's not so. Listen, everything's peace and peace. And all the while, they're prophesying out of their own heart and their own spirit, like, like what Pet said right there at the very end. Rather, they pick among the ruins of what is left of man's wisdom. And it is man's wisdom. And it does sound wise. And it does sound right. But that doesn't matter if it's not compatible with what the Word of God says. All right, now, the second point. What's the cause? Now, this gets us into the title of the message and really the heart of where I'm wanting to go. So what's the cause? The cause is the hedge has not been properly tended, 13.5. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of Yehovah. I've heard this verse preached on so many times about standing in the gap, making up the hedge. And, and, it, and so I always come to this verse with a preconceived idea of what it's saying because it's more or less saying how, you know, there's holes in the walls of truth and, and we need to get the gospel message and, and stand in the gap and somebody has to stand in that gap and make up the hedge and make sure the enemy can't get through and that truth gets out there. Well, I, that's all well and good and that's partially correct. But I learned something here, which may be common knowledge to everybody but me, I don't know. What is the hedge? What's the hedge? Anybody want to bandy an idea here? We're getting yes, we have a winner. No prize, but we have a winner. So what's the hedge? I never thought of it like this, and to me this was just so wonderful, because in the midst of all this confusion, where there's just a few people, the problem is there's a lot of other people out there preaching who have not been properly tending the hedge. They've been misrepresenting the hedge. They've actually been presenting a hedge of their own making. They've sculpted the hedge into this beautiful ornament, but that's not what the focus is supposed to be. The hedge that has not been maintained is the Torah because there's been a bunch of false prophets misrepresenting it. And therefore, the beginning of my question, wherein lies the protective defense of God's people? The hedge, the Torah. You take away that, and when I say Torah, Genesis to Revelation. When you take away bits and pieces from it and throw it to the side, you've weakened the structure of the hedge. And the hedge has what? Gaps. And now foxes get it. Isn't that good? Now, this is not my thought, so I can say it's good. This is good. <laughs> All right, so 13.5, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, second page, 13.5. This is where I first saw this through them. And then this is an unsaid, uh, unsa this is not a messianic guy. Guys, three of them. So not gone into the gaps. Metaphor from breaches made in a wall 
to which the defenders ought to betake themselves in order to repel the entrance of the foe. The breach is that made in the theocracy through the nation's sin. And unless it be made up, the vengeance of God will break in through it. Those who would advise the people to repentance are the restorers of the breach. Hedge. And this is what he says. Hedge. The law of God. And gives these verses. We'll look at a few in a minute. Hedge. The law. The Torah. This is just as... Not Messianic guys looking to find the Torah and on the, every other branch in the scripture. They, they say this. Hedge. The Torah of God. By violating it, the people stripped themselves of the fence of God's protection and lay exposed to the foe. The false prophets did not try to repair the evil by bringing back the people to the Torah with good counsels or by checking the bad with reproofs. These two duties answer to the double office of defenders in case of a, of a breach made in a wall to repair the breach from within, to oppose the foe from without. There's a war, and it's all about the Torah. And he says it right here, I thought it was so good. By violating it, the people stripped themselves of the fence of God's protection and lay exposed to the foe. What could be more true than that? And you look at the people that are claiming to be God's people, and I'm, I'm not setting myself up as an example, but I, I want to think maybe I'm a little different. What's the difference between the average quote-unquote Christian from the average lost person anymore? I don't know how you measure that. I don't want to get off on that. All right, Gil, uh, John Gill, he goes back, uh, Gill goes back away. Anyway. Uh, ye have not gone into the gaps or breaches. The illusion is to breaches made in the walls of a city when besieged, at which time those within gather together in great numbers to meet the enemy and prevent his in entrance by the breaches. These words are either spoken to the princes of Israel, the civil magistrates, or to the prophets, who seeing the sins of the people, like a mighty torrent opening a breach, for the wrath and judgments of God to pour in upon them should have called them and importunately pressed them to repentance and reformation and to have put up their prayers and made intercession to God for them, neither of which they did and therefore are here blamed. So I thought it was pretty good. It talks about how the prophets, seeing the sins of the people, they're not telling them the truth of God's word. It's, you know, I said not too long ago, is anything sin anymore? Nothing's sin anymore. You know, when's the last time preachers have preached on hell and sin and just spit out of their mouth and just railed on all this stuff? You can't. They don't. We don't. I don't. Because it's not popular. The best I know to do is try to lovingly confront, you know, All right, so this is why I think in the ends, if we're in the ends, there's this restoration of the Torah. I have to believe that the gaps are getting repaired somewhat because God is calling back a people to what we call a Torah to where it's all relevant. It's not some was done away with and no, we don't need to do that. We do what we can 
in spite of the fact there's no temple, there's no priesthood, and we can't do sacrifices, and, you know, you, if you have a menstrual cycle, you can't go to the temple. Get, I mean, there's just a ton of it we can't do. It's not because it was just done away with. It's the temple's no more. Everybody's out there, and it's not what it should be. But God is restoring the hedge. Now, some verses, um, and I wouldn't have thought of these on my own. So, go to Psalm 80. These are verses that other commentators referred to in relation to the hedge being the Torah. This one here I, I never would have seen and, and don't see it yet still, perhaps, but I'm just going to share it with you because other people, scholarly, more scholarly than myself, see it as such. Uh, is, uh, Psalm 80 and verse 12. You'd have to read the context, but anyway. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? I just thought it was interesting. Now, other Christian commentators see in this verse that that's talking about the Torah, the law. Uh, this is a little bit clearer, this one, Psalm 106. It's because, and with this one, you have Moses who's representing the Torah. Uh, Psalm 106, verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. Uh, they forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous things in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. So Moses, representing the Torah, is standing uh, before him in the breach to turn away his wrath. That, that's exactly what Ezekiel saying the prophets didn't do. All right, and then just one more in Ezekiel, uh, chapter 22, verse 30. I'm just pointing these out to you. 22, 30. And, I, and this is another one of those verses. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the Torah and stand in the gap before me uh, for the land. See, in this, if this is true, to me this is exciting because it just it lays out what our responsibility is. There's holes in the Torah that is being presented and being preached towards the end of time, just like our other commentators said, when they're still mocking and saying it's a long time off, there's going to be a few people that realize God is calling back a remnant to himself that are coming back to the whole book, Genesis to Revelation, not just cherry-picking at the nice verses that sound good and not knowing what to do with the rest and saying they're past. You know, that he's raising us up to plug the holes. We're hole pluggers, you know. We're just plugging holes. We're running around trying to put a ringer in the dike so the whole thing just doesn't fall down. But that's what we're supposed to do. And I'll close with that in a minute. All right, so how does this get corrected? All right, how does this get corrected? Well, preach the word or perish. I don't know what else to say. God's preachers need to confront the errors in three areas. And all P's, so if you want to remember. Uh, God's preachers need to confront the errors in the populace, in the pulpits, and in private lives. Now, in chapter 14, all three of those, as I see it, are kind of combined together. 
right, where you see the populace, the general people, you see the pulpits, the preachers, and then even in the private lives. So uh, what did I say? Ezekiel 14, 6. I, I do want to read this, 6 through 11. Uh, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Repent! Now this is to the populace. And turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, or the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth up his idols in his hearts, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, Yehovah, will answer him by myself. And I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off in the midst of my people. And ye shall know that I am Yehovah. And if the prophet, now we get the prophet, if the prophet, the pulpit, be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I just, I, God, I, Yehovah, I've deceived that prophet. Now, how do you make sense of that? You have a prophet that is prophesying from God. But God's already said, when, they, when people come, I'm going to answer them myself. What's that guy? I will put a lying spirit up in heaven. How can, I, how can we handle this? And, and this spirit comes before God and says, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all those prophets. Doesn't that just seems, it seems so out of character for God. But I love it, personally. Um, so I, verse 9, I, Yehovah, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel, and they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be even as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him. So the general person in their private life. The house of Israel may go no more, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may... Be my people, and I may be their God, saith Adonai Yehovah. So it's, it's preacher or perish, folks. We have to, I, I feel so weird saying this because I feel like out here, what, what, what makes you think you're so right, Warren? You know, who, who's, who's placed that mantle upon your shoulder? How do you know you're the guy that has got it right and all those others are not? I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to clarify that, quantify that. Except, you'll find it in the Bible, you'll find it. Start measuring what weird people like Luke and I say from the Bible versus what the people in the megachurches say, right? I mean, I don't know how else to weigh this. It's in the Bible. That's why I've always gravitated to Lester Roloff, George Mueller, Spurgeon. You think I'm a hard preacher. Spurgeon, all these guys from before. I measured them against a lot of this fluff stuff that's out there. And it's like, no, I'm going with these guys. So the errors in the pulpit need to be especially confronted. And I like this, 13. I, I, I immediately thought of Lester when I, all right, 13 too. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets. <laughs> love Verse 8. Therefore, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, because you have spoken vanity and seen lines, therefore, behold, I am against you. Uh, verse 17. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them. <laughs> Verse 20. Wherefore, uh, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Behold, I am against your pills, and um, 
And I'm not about to get into any of all this, but I thought it was interesting. Um, I'll give you this a little bit. Uh, I am against your pillows wherewith ye there hunt the souls to make them fly. Pet says this may refer to astral travel. This is how bad things were getting. This is in the demonic realm, the pagan demonic realm, where it has to do with black magic, one source said, black magic or voodoo. But yet they're prophesying. But you would never think that in their own lives they're practicing black magic and voodoo and promoting astral travel. I, you know, I, I like the group Yes from a long time ago. And there's this one, Astral Travel. And they're singing a whole song about that. I didn't know what it was. I loved the song. But where the spirit can take flight and free itself. It's all dem demonic stuff. But I don't want to get lost. The errors in the pulpit need to be especially confronted against, 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 against. We have to stand against it. Preach or perish. And we have to realize we're going to be the loonies. We're going to be the ones ostracized. And we're going to be the ones that are set off to the side. Like Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, like Jan, uh, uh, and on and on and on it goes. Now, for those of you that are here listening to me and those out there listening, I, my challenge to you is get in the Word of God and find out for yourself who's speaking truth and who's not. That's your responsibility. It's not mine. My responsibility is to get up here and make it look like I'm an idiot telling you this stuff, but check it out. So, in the times in which we live, as we see America and the rest of the world plunged into darkness, we need to let the light of the Torah to shine through us. We're the last hope standing in the gaps and mending the hedge. If you read my blog, the sad part is the Messianics are as much of a problem with this hole in the hedge thing as anybody else. If, if Satan is going to try to confuse the issue, why not play the name game? Banna, banna, fofa, nana, fana, fifano. How do you say Jehovah? How do you say Yehovah? How do you say Yeshua? Do you say Jesus? Do you say Lord? Is it G underline D? And we've come into the Messianic movement and there's all these side issues once again dividing us. Do you follow the moon? Is it, what is it, the lunar moon or the, what's the other one? Conjunction moon. Follow the Jewish calendar or do you follow when you, the moon's sighted in Israel when it's Aviv? Oh gosh, it goes on and on and on. And those of us who are trying to plug up the holes in the heads we're just making it bigger. We're just making it bigger. We're worse than the megachurches because we know better. But yet we're dividing and being divisive and Satan is so smart. Those that are wanting to plug the Torah, oh, yes, we're going back to the Torah and yes, you keep the dietary and blah, 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 blah. But come to our congregation. And oh, oh, we say, Yehovah, that guy just walked in and he says, what is, what's another name for God? Yahweh. Yahweh. 
And it happens. Oh, he says, Yeshua. He says, Yehoshua. <laughs> and we've had it in, in little minuscules happenings here. Where these guys, people that we've had that have left, and they because of this favorite guy and this, that, and he says this name, and we're not saying it quite right. I don't know what the answer is. I'm fed up with playing the name game, quite frankly. But doesn't it make sense that somebody like us that are trying to say we're plugging up the holes in the Torah are just making it bigger? We're just making it bigger. The holes are bigger. So instead of people jumping in, they're going out. I won't be with these crazies. All right, so... What got me going on that? We're the last hope, standing in the gaps and mending the hedge. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yep. But anyway, that's my message. <laughs> you know, the hedge. We need to be, chapter 13, verse 5, making up the hedge. We need to be Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel. Yeshua, Paul, Peter, I mean, all these guys. I mean, you can't really find the one that had a mega, mega following. I mean, they'd die lonely deaths. I, don't, I forget which guy it was, if it was Jonathan Edwards or who it was. It was in one of those autobiographies. This poor guy lived his life for God and... He, he comes, he catches a cold. He's off serving God somewhere, and he has to walk back, and he catches his cold. This great servant of God just dies on the side of the road. Just dies. <laughs> what happened to the wealth and health and happiness message for that poor schmuck who did more for God? I wish I could think of his name. It's in one of those stories. And uh, I don't know if it's John Edwards or who it was. You know, take Paul. We don't know sure how he died, but some say he was sawn in half. You have Peter supposedly dying upside down. <laughs> you have she, she, uh, <laughs> Anyway, shut up. All right, Father, we thank you for your word. Father, um, this has been a little random for me, um, but I, I pray, Father, that you would encourage us to just realize that uh, our responsibility is to plug the holes in the Torah to not make them bigger. Father, help us to learn to get out of the way. Help us to see our own sins. Help us to get to see our own faults and our own failings. You know, and it's just easy to get caught up in just pointing the finger at everybody else, but help us to stand back and point the finger at our own selves, our own private lives. You know, what are the holes in our own lives where the Torah just kind of has some gaping wounds in our own lives? Yeah, sure, it's fun point the finger at all these other mega preachers out there, but the truth be known, I've got some holes in my own life in relation to the Torah. And um, we need to fill these. So Father, just do a work in my heart, if nothing else. In Yeshua's name, amen. <laughs>